So let's take a tornado, for example. In a tornado situation, after the shock, um, you can't avoid it. The tornado wrecked your house. Everybody can see it. There's no saying, well, that didn't happen. Because in mental health and with mental traumas, we often try denial slash blocking. I spent far too much time in that place where I just tried so desperately to pretend it didn't happen because I was so ashamed or I was so worried about someone else seeing that crack. Um, whereas with a tornado, everybody sees it. And so it's there. So you process quickly because it's visible. Then, and, and, and we need to make our traumas more visible. And that would right away alleviate so much. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Danae here. I am thrilled to be back. I was out for the month of August traveling with my family. We spent the month in Oaxaca, Mexico. It was pretty great. Not perfect, but the trip itself exceeded all my expectations. This is the longest that our kids have ever been away from home. It was a really wonderful, formative experience for us, and we're already excited to do it again next year. The kids did Spanish school. My husband worked remote. I did a little bit of remote work setting up clients for the fall, but I had a lot of time to read some of the books of the upcoming guests on the show this fall. So many incredible guests coming up in the next few weeks. Today, I am happy to introduce you to Ginger Z, who you might already know. Ginger is the chief meteorologist at ABC News. You've probably seen her on Good Morning America. You might've seen her on Dancing with the Stars or you may have seen one of her many books. We're talking a little bit about the weather today, but mostly we're talking about mental health. Ginger is a mental health advocate and she has had quite a mental health journey of her own. In her most recent book, Closer to Home, Ginger shares her journey with borderline personality disorder, including her history of trauma, suicide attempts, and hospitalizations. I'm thrilled that Ginger is joining me today to share more of her story and to be a much-needed voice in the mental health community to help break down the stigma. Without further ado, here's my chat with Ginger. Hi, Ginger. How are you? I am well, thank you. Focused. That's the word I always try to use. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a huge plus because sometimes in motherhood, that feels like the hardest thing of all. (laughs) The only thing I tell myself to do when they're right there, focus on what they need. Then when they're not right there, focus on something else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And something that sounds so simple feels anything but. So I want to lead with a question that sometimes feels like the hardest of all. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am grew up, I I was born in California, but I grew up in West Michigan. And when my parents divorced, I always tell the story as if it's important that my mom started dating our dentist. And people will be like, why is that important? But it's mostly because he had a place on Lake Michigan and he had privilege that we had never seen before to be able to have access to that great lake. And I spent a whole summer there. And that summer is really when I think formative memories, I was eight, you know, when I start remembering things, it was huge because I saw thunderstorms almost 
once, twice a week. It was a very stormy summer and I was able to watch them 20 miles out on the horizon and then figured out that I was not only so enraptured by what was happening in the atmosphere, but that there was a puzzle that you could put together that was the atmosphere and there was a science behind it. And that's when I fell in love with meteorology. And as I grew up, I, you know, did normal stuff, I think, relatively normal. I grew up, you know, playing soccer and competitive cheerleading, but I really always did have a, a science mind. And then I saw the movie Twister um, when I was 16. I think I was 16. And it was really gave me the answer of where I wanted to go with my life. And that was to be a storm chaser. And that was my intention. And then the next year we had a derecho, which is a huge thunderstorm, line of thunderstorms and had 130 mile per hour winds that actually took out the movie theater where I saw Twister. So oh, I, wow. it was like stamped. I was going to be a meteorologist and a storm chaser. So that's what I went to college for, to chase tornadoes, um, study just meteorology with no intention of being in TV. And then I got into television and the whole time I started jumping through different um because once i did an internship in television <laughs> then i couldn't say no then it was like i did this internship with this great guy and it was like wait i can be a storm chaser and communicate okay and so even though i didn't study journalism i ended up in broadcasting um after i got my meteorology degree and during my life i'd say i was just kind of a disaster i mean <laughs> in, in my personal life always a disaster always haphazard in my career, I was very fortunate, but also worked my butt off and kept climbing through local markets, five different stations, and then ended up at ABC here in New York. Um, and since then, I have actually had a life uh, beyond just my career. And that is, you know, I met my husband, who's also in television, and we've had two children. And I've got, you know, I'm so grateful to still have my parents with us. Um, we've got his parents actually in town. And you know, I posted a photo the other day because I like to remember those days before I had a life. And I, there's one Facebook memory that comes up and I always think it's very funny because it was um, kind of just a text, you know, Facebook used to be like, how are you feeling? You could tell that this was a very salty day for me because I said like, oh, isn't it great that everybody's engaged and everybody's having a baby and everybody's doing this and I can't even do my laundry. You know, it was like a, right. a, a very pointed thing. And I look at the date and it was eight days before I met my husband. So oh, wow. I think it's always good to kind of go in reverse and see that so much can change in your life. And that's where I'm at on this day right now is, is feeling yeah. like that immense gratitude, but also kind of chuckling at myself um, yeah. that I had so little faith. <laughs> So did you want to be a writer in addition to a meteorologist or how did that happen? I loved writing, you know, as a kid and I'd say my creative writing in fifth, sixth grade, I loved, I switched schools twice. Um, and that second switch really kind of changed my trajectory. I would say how much teachers and, you know, our environment has to do with what we do and what kind of encouragement we get. Um, I had more encouragement in math and science and I had some non encouragement in writing. And so I kind of got away from it and I labeled myself very early as a non writer, um, which I think was unfair because I always yeah. had enjoyed it. And then when I got this job, I just started writing in a journal again because I was traveling so much. And I thought, I don't want to forget this because I don't have the best memory. And then when I was pregnant with my son um, seven years ago, I just thought I was looking for baby books about weather. And I was like, there's nothing out there that I think I think I could do that. I could definitely write a baby book. 
And I went to write it and I went to this editor who liked the idea, but she said, you know, that's not really for a baby book. That's more of like a middle grade where you write chapters. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm actually not a writer, but thank you. And then she said, why don't you go try it? And I did kind of reluctantly because I thought, well, this is going to be embarrassing. And I came back and they loved it. And then they said, we'd like a trilogy. So I started writing. And then as I was writing that book, uh, I was telling her stories that I would base the character, Telicity, my favorite tornado variable, um, the stories of my life that I would base these the characters' activities on. And she's like, wait, what happened? And your ex-fiance, what? And she said, that's a book. And suddenly I'm writing a book about mental health, depression, suicide, <laughs> um, and, and was supposed to be writing a baby book about, you know, lightning and rainbows. Right. So, so no, I don't, I think the longest answer ever to say no, I was not an author. Let's pause for a 60 second word from our sponsor, Fairty. Fairty is hands down one of my favorite clothing companies. Not only is the clothing soft and comfortable, but it's high quality and has a lifetime guarantee. So they'll replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. Fairty is a family run brand that makes timeless clothing with modern design and functionality. Their clothes are thoughtfully crafted with a classic style. One of my favorite things is the Willa top. I have the white one and I've been wearing it all summer and I will be wearing it into fall too. Right now, Fairty is giving listeners 20% off. Let me say that again, 20% off. So head to fairytybrand.com slash simple and use the code simple at checkout to get this deal. That's simple at fairty, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com slash simple for 20% off. Fairytybrand.com slash simple. Try Fairy out. I think you'll love it as much as I do. So since you wrote your first book, your first memoir, Natural Disaster, you've been working to expand the conversation around mental health. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like just in the past five years or so, when, when, when did Natural Disaster come out? Yeah, Natural Disaster, I was pregnant. So that had to be at least, yeah, it was five years. Okay. How do you feel like the stigma around mental health has changed just in the past few years? People, and especially young people, seem to be really open to identifying with depression and anxiety. Those are two really safe spaces, I would say, where the stigma has been reduced. What I think the problem is and where the stigma still lies is, well, well, now what? And what do you do to fix that? And so, yes, I've heard a lot more people feel a sense of calm or openness to claim something. But outside of those two, I don't think we're there. You know, borderline personality disorder, which is what I was diagnosed with, still raises eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Definitely raises eyebrows when I tell people I checked myself into the psych ward at Columbia. They're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Oh, she's, she's really, really needs help. You know, but like, that's where I think we have a lot of work to do and where I think we're not even close societally, but also in careers and workplaces. If I broke my leg in an accident, Nobody would question once that I took however much time it took to heal. If Mm -hmm. I have environmentally or chemically or whatever happens, broken brain, everybody questions it. And there isn't a setup for how to be cared for in that situation in most workplaces. Yeah. So that hospitalization happened before you met your husband? Yes. So I don't think I could have met my husband had I not finally gotten the help that I needed. I I would have never been ready. Uh, And I'm always grateful. He always says, he always is like, man, I wish that, you know, I could have met your Oma, my, my grandmother, because I talk about her all the time. 
I wish we could have met earlier and just kind of gotten rid of all those years. I was like, we would have never been together because I wouldn't have been even close to ready. I did not love myself. I certainly couldn't have loved you. I wouldn't have been fair to you. I would have been a wreck, you know? So I think it's best that we met. But yes, that was um, about a year and a couple months before. So I had done some pretty intensive therapy after getting out of the hospital. And even still, I took a really long time to allow myself in to what would then be my hopefully lifelong relationship. Yeah. I talk to a lot of experts, a lot of academics on the podcast, and I feel like what I don't often enough is get voices of those with a lived experience. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find people who are willing and able to talk about Mm -hmm. their life experience, which is why I think I appreciated your book so much. And in reading your book, you're so transparent about your journey. And it leaves me wondering if you feel like now that has kind of opened the door to be able to talk about it, not just in in a professional way or in an advocacy way, but more in your personal life too. Do you feel yes. like everyone just kind of gets you and it's out there and, and done? And yeah, it, it's so freeing. I mean, I spent mm-hmm. a majority of my life protecting the secrets that I thought would ruin me or that would, would crack the perfect image that I had created. Uh, and far before Instagram, I was really worried about the feed of my life, you know, and what that looked like. And so, yes, social media has amplified that for some people, but I think this is something innate in many people. So on a selfish level that I didn't anticipate, the level of healing I've been able to achieve because of writing these books is pretty wild. The interesting part and the part that I'm still working on and can be really open about is that it's very easy to tell the world right now all of these things. You know who it's hard to tell? My uncle, who I haven't really talked too much, but knows me better than most people, but yet had to read these things about me and actually has a connection and care. And it has taught me that that, and I like to say this, is that your team, I always think everybody needs a team and then a broader community, doesn't always have to be the most intimate connections in your life. Your team can include, and that community can include people who are a DM away or are, because there are less stakes in that and there are more uh, open doors. I think it's much easier to tell a stranger most, most of the time something that you're concerned about telling someone closer to you. So it kind of taught me that part too. Um, and now going, it's like, I'm, it's like I worked backward because <laughs> people mm-hmm. will often say, wow, so your workplace, they've been so good about, you know, having you. I'm like, well, kind of wrote a book about it. So <laughs> can't really do anything, but they have been very good, but it was a lot for them to probably handle all up at front. Yeah. You know, I probably should have started piecemeal with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. So since you have come out and talked openly about these, have you made other friends or intimate people in your life that have had similar journeys and found that helpful? Yes. People who have still not told anyone else. People have only told me. I get dozens a week still from that first book, even of people writing me email messages or DMs. You know, for the first year, it was hundreds, hundreds a week. It was so many people felt like, well, if she can talk about it, then I'm going to reach out. And I'm sure I haven't even gotten to all of them because I have this kind of lost folder of direct messages I didn't even realize (laughs) existed. And I try to get through as many as I can because it's really an honor to be the first ears for that. 
And what I've realized in my journey, and and anybody listening that hasn't followed my career, I I have been at every major disaster, natural disaster, from hurricanes to wildfires to tornadoes um, since Hurricane Katrina. I am usually that first person who was there before forecasting. I've been there during the storm, and I've seen after. And I've had this unique privilege of watching how people process trauma of nature. And granted, they give it so much grace. Mother Nature gets a lot of grace. And I'm like, but we do know. We do have agency here. In most cases, we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen and where it's going to happen. But I watched this, this processing, and it happens so quickly. They go through this stage of zombie, stunned, shock. Uh, Then they go into the um, different levels of grief, of fear, you know, fear, frustration, anger, uh, sadness, and usually end up really quickly, like within a week, to the point of rounded out gratitude, helping each other, um, the cliche of like, then the community Mm -hmm. came together. And I always think if we stepped back from that, and I'm getting to why I think this community thing is important, if we step back from natural disasters, and learn why people are able to process those so quickly, we could learn about a lot about doing that with mental health or trauma. Mm-hmm. So let's take a tornado, for example. In a tornado situation, after the shock, um, you can't avoid it. The tornado wrecked your house. Everybody can see it. There's no saying, well, that didn't happen. Because in mental health and with mental traumas, we often try denial slash blocking. There's a lot you could tell me you're the expert, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of words for what we do to avoid. I I spent far too much time in that place where I just tried so desperately to pretend it didn't happen because I was so ashamed or I was so worried about someone else seeing that crack. Um, Whereas with a tornado, everybody sees it. (laughs) And so it's there. So you process quickly because it's visible then, and, and, and we need to make our traumas more visible. And that would Mm -hmm. right away alleviate so much. The second thing is then in the sharing of that, now you start talking to a neighbor that you've never spoken to before. And I see this in all the disasters. And they're like, where'd you get your insurance? Oh, how did they pay you out? What did you, where did you guys stay? How'd you get your hotel vouchers? Uh, You did get to the Red Cross? Oh, let me introduce you to them. So it becomes a community of now you've seen my trauma and now you can help me with my trauma because there's... 20 others of you right around me. It's amazing that now that I've put my trauma out, like it's a tornado damage, like it's a home that's gone, how many people have come out, not only asking how did I do it, but helping Mm -hmm. and being a part of the constant maintenance of healing. And that's something that I got really into in my last book and, and post because it wasn't something I was really sure of until about two, three years ago. I, not that I thought I was done and I was better, but I had done a lot of hard work. So I was like, oh, look at me. It, it was like I had finally gotten that personal trainer. I'd finally eaten right. Yeah. And I'd finally committed to it. And then I saw the results and I was about to let go. <laughs> and then I caught myself and was like, whoa, it doesn't end here. This is a right. insane. Yeah. I love how you said you don't just go to the gym for two weeks and expect to be done. No, right. right? This is a lifelong <laughs> pursuit. Yeah. And I'm in a lifelong pursuit of finding peace with the traumas and the emotional regulation that I haven't been great at and the things that I haven't, and also what will happen in future because those things will happen and I'll be presented with more. But now I've got a ton of tools and I have a ton of options and I've got a great team, both intimate and random people, some of which I've never even met in person. 
that I have a great connection with to talk through things. Yeah. You say that you feel like you're hardwired for depression, which makes me think about a genetic tendency. And I know you mentioned that your husband has also had his own mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. How do you wrap your head around that thinking about your kids and them growing? Yeah. He worries about that probably more than I do. Um, I try not, I'm always like the optimist, you know, of course, one of the two of them or both would likely have propensity to it. What I'm trying to focus on is how can I environmentally support them and encourage them with the things that I know will help because it's inevitable to a certain degree. But had I had someone recognize it, who was older than me and who had more life experience than me, know what to do with it then we would have not hopefully gotten as far as I did and as deep and dark as it did. And so just knowing that that's, but that's just a part of our story too, you know, and and accepting it, accepting it for me, but also accepting whatever it is that comes in them, just like we would if they had, um, you know, been born without a limb. I think something like a different, a different ability needs to be looked at within the mental health space too. In the trauma world, often we talk about trauma, big T trauma, as intense, acute incidents that happen to you. Mm-hmm. And then little T trauma is kind of just little things that affect you throughout your life. You've had a variety of both mm-hmm. throughout. And I think as parents, we work, I mean, we obviously work really hard to protect our kids from the big T stuff, right? We don't want them to be kidnapped. We don't want them to be abused or neglected. Um, but the, the little T stuff, it's, it's going to happen. And I think we can spend a lot of energy trying to prevent that. Um, but I feel like that, that, that is part going to be a part of our journey. What do you think about for your your kids? The little T you have to accept that some of that is, um, inevitable. And I think about it a lot with my older son. He's much more, I think like me in personality and in, just the way he came into the world. He, he doesn't like the word no. He doesn't like to be wrong. He's born perfectionist. He is, we're, we've been working since he could talk on how not to say or do bad things to himself, which is wild to think that that could be that in him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also freeing because it allows me to kind of forgive perhaps people around me that I thought had even more influence than they did on how I developed. I study a lot and I, I talk a lot in therapy about how I can support that. And even last night, I like to, not every night because he gets really, he doesn't respond as well. But if I say, you know, we usually do kind of a breathing thing before bed and we'll do just to kind of, I always try to introduce him to meditation, which was never something that I was introduced to. I don't tell him why or what it's for, but hopefully when he just has that as a base, he can use it somewhere in his life. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about gratitude. I say, what are you grateful for? And I tell him what I'm grateful for. And then I, my, my new added thing because of who he's becoming is I'm like, tell me something that you love about yourself. Tell me something that you did well today. So those affirmations that I didn't understand and people do like journal affirmations, like I'm not to that point yet, but I have gotten better about and seeing the result from the positive affirmation of myself and how that circular bit counts and really makes a difference in what it looks like tomorrow. And so I've been trying to add that in and he has a really hard time with it already. And that's just a personality thing. My younger son, he'd tell you 20 things he did right. (laughs) He'll tell you all about how good he is. 
he will not mention all the times he was really, really pushing boundaries, made bad choices. <laughs> right. Those things Second don't matter. child born to be They're wild. <laughs> he hasn't thought about those for hours, you know, and so I want to meet him when I grow up, but we're just very different people and they have to yeah. parents it differently. So I think those little T's are the ones where I don't want to focus too much on it because I don't want to be the weirdo that like really amplifies everything, like making it too big of a deal, but I want to give him a voice and I want to give him those words that he can use to support himself and the things that I couldn't do until recently. Yeah. Do you think that you'll share your story with them verbally or do you think you'll wait till they're old enough to read the books? I hope to share it with them. I think it could be pretty hard to read all at once. And that's what mm-hmm. it was for my husband. Of course, he knew all everything. Um, we are very open. He knows more than that. He's, you know, he's got it all. But he even said after reading it, it was really upsetting to read all in one sit. Because what if all that had happened, <laughs> you know, in, in a day or two process that yeah. there's a lot to handle for somebody that you really care deeply for. So I think I would definitely tell them in pieces. And we've started with that already. You know, if I ever have what I like to call a gray day, which I've been fortunate to say it has not happened as often of late, but it's part of my life. It's part of who I am. And Adrian did catch me at one point. And I say catch me because I wasn't hiding. I was out on the back deck and they were playing down below, but it was just one of those depressive moments where I just couldn't stop the tears and I wasn't sure where it was even erupting from. I was already asking myself, but I just didn't expect him to come up at that time. And he said, whoa, what's wrong, mommy? And my immediate reaction was, I don't feel well. Mommy's sick right now, which is true. You know, like I just was having that time. It doesn't mean, and just like if I had a sore throat or cough, doesn't mean I'm going to have that for the rest of my life. Doesn't mean I'm going to be like this tomorrow. Good. But you know, there's, um, and there are people that can help me. And so that's about the limit of where we've started. And I think that would be a great limit for everybody to start with. Well, today is just yeah. not that day. You know, today's the day not to be okay. As You know, it's okay to not to be okay every single day. And that's where right. at his age and his, you know, place, and he's an incredibly empathetic kid. This is where he's even bigger than I am. He, this is from my husband. He is so intuitive. He's so in tune. I was an absorber, but I don't think I was as adult about it like he is he really needs to know what's wrong and he really needs to know then the perfectionist how do I help and how do I make this better and then I told him it's not you know nothing that you did and it's nothing that I did it's just what it is it's time for our final two-minute word from today's sponsors KiwiCo and Indeed KiwiCo delivers monthly crates full of science and art projects that are perfect for kids of all ages who want to keep their imaginations active all summer long and into the fall You can build stomp rockets and kites, explore the fascinating science of trees, engineer your own coin-eating robot. The opportunities are endless. We even took a KiwiCo box with us on our recent trip to use on a rainy day, where my kids made a real working pinball machine. You won't believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. Give them the tools to learn new skills, build new experiences, and make new connections to the broader world. Have a new learning adventure every month with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code simple at kiwico.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com promo code simple. Our final sponsor for today is Indeed. Think about someone who has changed your life for the better. How incredible would it be if your company could find one of those life-changing people right when you needed them? 
If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You can find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed's U.S. data shows that 80% of Indeed's employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their description the moment they sponsor a job. Something that I love about Indeed is that it's simple. Everything's in one place. So visit indeed.com families to start hiring now. Go to indeed.com families. Indeed.com families. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Back to my chat with Ginger. Alcohol is kind of woven into your story at different points. And I've been sober for a few years and really identified with some of your experiences with alcohol Mm -hmm. in your story. How do you feel about the sentiments that exist around needing alcohol to survive motherhood? I think they're they're, they're wrong. I think, I think you certainly don't need alcohol to survive anything. Um, mm-hmm. I know that it can help when, and, and what it should be if you have found, I would think if I heard a friend say that, or if I saw a friend displaying that or encouraging that as the reason behind having a drink, I would, and they were a close enough friend, I would step in and say, that shouldn't be it. There's something else wrong. You're not being supported somewhere. You don't feel respected somewhere. Something's up. <laughs> That's yeah. beyond that. Um, there's more to this story. There's more to the story. And so, and then because just like this, people still to this day will say, oh, wow, it's got to be great to have a job where you can be half wrong all the time regarding being a meteorologist. <laughs> and I'm like, have you paid attention? Like th- these types of like memes and ideas and kind of generalizations and stereotypes have that like chuckle behind them, but like yeah. absolutely no accuracy any longer. And right. then they have, even yesterday I was with a producer and a crew and I was timing the storms out and we were shooting between them, between lightning where I felt comfortable. And I, I said to my audio guy, I said, we've got about six to seven minutes before we get to the next one. He's like, six and a half minutes. You're doing it down to the dot. I was like, yeah. And then six and a half minutes later, the rain stops. He's like, that was incredible. And I'm like, see? <laughs> <laughs> I think taking that in, in the wine, you know, the mommy sippy cup and the, that type of thing, it just got, it just, it's gone too far. And, and I hope that people can distinguish that that is like a meme by this point and not real mm-hmm. life, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then encourage people too to find a mom who wants to live the lifestyle that you want to live and encourage to have friendships and play dates where it's all about kale, <laughs> something yeah. that's going to bring you up. Not that you can't, you know, there's plenty of people that can do it for the right reasons and in the right place and the right time. But yeah, I think it's gone way too far. I just, I guess I'm, I'm not, I don't have that group around me. So, but I've mm-hmm. certainly seen it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the pandemic, alcohol use is just up across the board. Yeah. That, that hearing people's stories about that. And I feel like kind of already did that. So I've just never gotten back to that point. My husband always, Mm -hmm. that's another thing he'll always say, he's like, yeah, I wish I could have seen you back then. You were a mess. That would have been fun (laughs) to just watch one time. I'm like, not fun. Wouldn't have been good, but I've never even been close to that point in the time I've known him. You know, when I have a drink now, it's like for the artisan reason, it's like, Ooh, how did they put this herb in this gin? And I'm having, you know, the tiniest bit 
Yeah. It sounds like mindful drinking. Yeah, it is. Right. It is. It's, it's kind of like trying mindful eating to eat food for what right. it is there for and for the nutrition and where, who made this. And I'm really yeah. annoying to go to the grocery store with. Let's just say that. <laughs> Tell me about your journey into mindfulness. Uh, Dan Harris was the weekend anchor on Good Morning America when I started. And he, right when I started 10 years ago, right after I got out of the hospital, which they didn't know. Um, I don't know if he could feel it or if it was just kind of his thing and he was getting really into it, but he had dove face first into meditation and mindfulness. And he talked about it all the time. And I learned a lot, but was not ready at that moment. I needed a lot of healing before I could get there. And then a couple of years after, and once I started to settle into a more neutral state where I had finally healed from trauma enough that I was ready to maybe take life into a newer place, I went back to Dan asking about it. He had started and wrote 10% Happier. Um, He had started the podcast. So I really got introduced to it and got to exercise it at first by a master at this point, you know, Dan Harris. And then from there, I'm not an expert, Um, but I try to put it into different parts of my life everywhere, every single thing I'm doing. And I said, you know, I'm focused today. Focus is one of those things. It is being present. It is being meditative about every action. Yeah. And I mean, I think that example of mindful drinking, I kind of said it as a joke, but it's not really, you know, actually sitting with your drink, thinking about the things that you're tasting, right? Even though it's, it's, it's a, I guess you could say it's a type of meditation in a way, but it's an informal practice of mindfulness where you're just being in the moment. You're not worried about what happened yesterday or no. what's going to happen tomorrow. But that, just even those informal moments of mindfulness, I think a lot of us aren't quite there yet practicing those because those can feel hard too. There's a really great way to practice. I forgot where I heard this first, but um, a lot of people drink coffee for um a similar reason where it's kind of thoughtless and, and maybe caffeine mm-hmm. has gotten this meme of like, everybody does it. And this is what you the know. IV drip of caffeine. Yeah. yeah. The IV drip. And so, so caffeine, and I think especially here in the United States, it has just become this thing. Peeling back what that part of it is and going to the bean is one of the first places I started the informal um, meditation or kind of just mindfulness where, and because I love food and I'm so into like, terroir and where things are from and truly how they were made and you know what was the farmer's name then I like to think about it and and coffee is one of those things where you can really smell it you can really think about where it came from who might have picked the bean who might have been in the processing and then there's a lot of steps from the bean to the ground grinding it up to the process of making it and I think Folgers had it right for it. It, it. It's part of our morning. And there's that mm-hmm. part of it. It's very cool. And a very important, for me at least, that's the part I've start, now come to love. And now I have gotten to the point where I only have one cup. But I enjoy every sip of that cup. And I try to make it like a real quality cup. I don't want to just drink coffee to drink coffee. I'm not having the bitter stuff at work unless it's like a desperate morning, you know? Yeah. Like I plan for it and I take care of it. It's like I care for my coffee because I'm mindful about it. But that was a, that's a great place to start for people, even to just start with the smell of the bean or the sound of it and, and those sensory things that can bring you in. Yeah. You talk also a little bit about your need to overachieve and succeed and always be in motion. Do you feel like mindfulness has helped with that too? No, this is where I've not gotten there. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say no, that it hasn't. 
I'm more aware. I really still don't like when somebody tells me I have too much on my plate. How do they know how much I have on my plate? You don't know me. You don't know how much I can handle and everybody's busy is relative, you know, and I, I especially don't like when someone blocks me from doing something because they think I can't handle it or my schedule's too packed. That's strange. That's like when my aunt says, I don't want to call you because I know you're so busy. Oh, I get that all the time. Yeah. I think it's a generational thing. What is that? I don't, what do you mean? I'm so busy? Know. You don't think I talked on the phone? You don't think I looked at Instagram 10 times already today? I could talk to you, right. Darcy. <laughs> so I guess that, but if you ask Samantha, my producer and assistant and everything, um, she regularly helps me remember that other people don't always operate the same as me. And I have to probably be better about leveling that expectation and reducing that expectation I have of others with mindfulness. That is what I've probably gotten a little better at. Um, but for myself, I don't know. I don't know how I fix this or should I? I don't know if I should. Yeah. If it was hurting me and I was, I used to feel overwhelmed. I used to stack my schedule to the point and that was because I didn't have an, so maybe mindfulness did get me there. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like I was thinking, do you not do that anymore because of mindfulness? Yeah. No, I do it all the time still, but I do think that I'd know how to handle it better. I and you notice yourself doing it. I do. And I'm prepared right. for that. And I do know because I've gotten better with mindfulness about setting a boundary if that's really going to be too much for me. doesn't happen often, but once in a while. It's, yeah. Even right now, though, I'm trying to, because my husband doesn't have any vacation time. I'd love your advice on this. And <laughs> um, I have vac plenty of vacation time, but we have had some scheduling issues at work, and I've had a couple things fall through, and then I've had really special shoots come up, and I've had a couple vacation times kind of blown up. Um, this year. So now I'm trying to plan, but I want to, I have so many things I want to achieve and do yet this summer. And then, you know, even if I just do a, a day or two for myself, it's like, I can't get it to happen because something really fun always comes up. But like that time, that restorative time, I mindfully know it's very important. I'd love to separate myself physically to another location AKA travel. Uh, but my husband doesn't have time off and he has not made that a priority and he doesn't want me to take the kids. So now am I choosing to go alone by myself? Is that what I have to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that yeah. it's, it's a lot of us would, would really jump at that opportunity in theory, but how many of us actually execute it? Right. And, I mean, I think so many of us talk about it, but how many of us actually do take the trip by ourselves and how do you execute it? And then how do I, how do I not have guilt? Because my husband won't do it because he can't be away from the kids. He is yeah. the best father and the best partner oh. in so many ways, except for I cannot live up to what he does. And I already travel a lot for work. I'm gone a lot. So if I go take time off for myself, that's just it mommy like gone again. Yeah. So I'm in this weird place where he doesn't want to be away from them. I can't steal them away. <laughs> I'm right. sure you call the cops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. And then, but I'm not getting the time. So it's, yeah. it's got to be, that's something I need to be more mindful about. How was the pandemic for you being home more and more present more with your family? I loved it. And talking about stacking my schedule, that that February and March, I remember looking at my schedule of what I had on tap for the spring and getting close to the point of calling it and saying, I'm at my cap, I'm at my limit, lots of travel, lots of big projects. Okay, no more. Not always great at executing that, but that was my point. That's what I'm doing because yeah. it's too much. And then the world shut down. And the world did it. And I, I, I think a lot of people 
when I used to be in a person who got overwhelmed, I, I wanted an out. I wanted something else to give me an out. Like, what if I just kind of twisted my ankle? Like, but I couldn't go, right? <laughs> you want some like physical ailment. That's not a good wish. Yeah. If you've ever got to that point, you're doing too much. Um, so the <laughs> pandemic was my twisted ankle in a way at that moment. And I took that feeling and realized how not great that was and how I should probably step back and not get to that point ever again. And I do think that the pandemic helped a lot in that. Then I had to kind of go into the mode of, I usually travel a lot. I have, I'm at work a lot, but I also balance it with my family. And I loved being home. Like I loved, I'm also very reclusive. So like to put me in my basement with a studio, there were points where Ben came down here and he said, have you even left our home? Like the door of our home to even walk the cul-de-sac in a week. I'm like, I don't think I am. And it's great. You know? <laughs> I'm an incredible hermit crab. So right. it was good until it wasn't. And then I felt the pull of feeling like I wasn't doing the type of work or creating or producing things that would, my children would even be proud of, you know, and I wasn't really even helpful enough for them because they went back to school before I went back to work. They, they were gone. And I'm like, well, what am I doing here? Like my nose, mm -hmm. like this isn't it. <laughs> so I started new set series and segments and I did as much as I could. But I'd say that was the only kind of uh, anxiety point. Um, and this was, and maybe why you're asking, the pandemic was the first time in my life where I really felt anxious. And it was because everything had slowed down so much and it was unpredictable. And that's not something that any of us do well with. It was a huge transition, both in work and in life. And then on top of it, we didn't know when it was going to end for a long time. And we didn't have a straight answer for a long time. And we all love routine and we all love to know what we're doing, even if we say we don't. And so that was hard. And I, there was one day on a weekend when Ben said, you know, you haven't really had an hour to work out because the kids are always here or you're always working in the morning. So why don't you uh, work out and I'll take the kids for a drive because they need to get out of the house. He left and it was like an immediate I put my socks on, went to step down the stairs, and I had this rush of horrible feelings and horrible like premonitions come over me. And I am not a worry person. And I saw they had also taken our new dog. And in my mind, they all got in a car accident and they all died. And here I am alone without my entire everything that means so much to me. And I've never thought like that. Becoming a parent, I started to get weirder, like little daydream nightmares that were normal. That's normal. But this was that's severe. And it really set me down. I cried to the point of like in a ball rolling on the top of the stairs, like screaming, like, no, no, as if I could stop this accident that was happening. And then I played this crazy game in my mind where I was like, well, I can't call him and tell him to turn around because that's going to cause the accident. It was so wild. And I, it, and I'm also very aware of what's happening because I've done a lot of studies of this and, but it was happening and it was taking my body over. And I got myself to the point of being able to get to the basement, to get to the mat, but I still could not work out. The tears kept coming. My fear was so severe. And until those little feet were on, stepping above, on, I didn't do anything. I didn't work out. I didn't do anything. So what I did with that feeling was like express it to my therapist, talk to my mom, talk to my husband. And my husband's like, I've lived like that my whole life. That's how I live because <laughs> he is yeah. the anxious person. And I'm like, I am yeah. so sorry because I'm really good at being depressed right now. I know what to do with my depression. I have a lot of experience and practice now managing it. 
I don't have practice and experience in managing the anxiety. So that was yeah. something the pandemic introduced to me. Yeah, you're not the first person to, that I've heard say that, that the length of the pandemic, the prolonged period, mm-hmm shifted them from anxiety. I mean, some people shift back and forth all the time, but a lot of people experienced that for the first time, maybe had always leaned or tipped towards depression and then started to get anxious or vice versa. And the connections. So because I was spending so much more time at home with the kids, with Ben, the connections were becoming tighter. And whenever Mm -hmm. those connections become tighter and more real, something I was still working really heavily on therapy. And that was also playing part of it is I was really focused on the love and connections I was having. Yeah. More vulnerable maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Ginger. I'm going to put the links to all your books in the show notes. Where else can we find you online? Yeah. At ginger underscore Z or ginger hyphen Z.com. Those are great. Great. So check me out and I like connecting. So I wasn't joking. I do have a lot of DM buddies that are all over the map. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want the links to the things we talked about, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 320. That's where you'll find all the links to Ginger's books, her website, and her social media contacts. If you'd like to join the Simple Families community, it's now free. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash community. And you can join us on Mighty Networks there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm glad you're here.